Today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, it, you may not be familiar with what that means, but I'll, I'll just kind of share briefly. Uh, in the Jewish calendar, there was a, a holiday, a festival uh, called Pentecost. And after Jesus died, rose again, uh, and then ascended into heaven, right before he ascended, he told his disciples to go and wait for the promise from the Father. So he encouraged them. He said, okay, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. I'm going to fill in some of the gaps. He said, you're going to get the Holy Spirit, so I want you to go and wait. And when that comes, Acts chapter 1-8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And in that, in that, Jesus was telling his disciples, I've equipped you, I've prepared you, I've commissioned you, I've readied you, but without the Holy Spirit, you don't have power to go. That's going to happen here, uh, and I need you to go and wait. And so the, the scriptures tell us in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, it says this. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Our best guess is that that was about 10 days to two weeks uh, from when Jesus ascended into heaven and said, go wait for the promise from the Father until Pentecost. So that's about the time. It wasn't an accident that that was the time that we picked for the, um, the prayer room was to take a, a similar amount of time that, that Jesus had given from ascension to, uh, to Pentecost to devote ourselves to prayer. We did that in the hopes of, uh, of stirring the church to a greater belief that we can be, we can be people that devote ourselves to prayer. Uh, we get a chance to be behind the scenes, to, to hear feedback. I have an inbox full of emails. We get to see the stacks of white reflection cards. If you didn't go in the prayer room and you don't know what those are, uh, I would encourage you even this week to take time and, and book into the prayer room. But on those reflection cards, over and over and over and over, people write the reflection, uh, I've never felt an hour go so quickly. I started praying and my alarm went off and I realized that I had just started praying and I had to leave for the next person to come in. We started seeing a trend of people booking two hours consecutively because they didn't want that time to run out quite so quickly. And I believe we even had one person do three hours in a row, which sort of broke some rules, but that's fine, I guess. <laughs> Grace abounds, people. But here's what we were hoping for a couple of things. And they happened in spades. We were hoping for a church to learn that they can be people of prayer. That we can actually go before the Lord. We can bring the, the burdens of our hearts to the Lord. And we can lay them at his feet. And he hears our voices. That we can know how God presents himself to us. That was another theme from the reflection cards. The names of God. Specifically the one where God declares his name is. God is there. He's in our midst. He's with us. So Jesus tells his disciples to go and wait for the promise from the Father. And so they go to Jerusalem and they find an upper room, most likely the same upper room where they had taken communion before. They go to the upper room and they start praying. 
And it doesn't tell us that they didn't leave the room for 10 days or that they, that they never stopped to eat or anything like that. It just tells us they went there and they devoted themselves to prayer. And then on the day of Pentecost, something happened. It's a pretty wild thing just to see how the church was birthed in people devoting themselves to prayer, how the mission of God was delayed. I mean, just catch that for a moment. Jesus told his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, but actually not yet. Hold, please. You go when the Spirit comes upon you, and that's when you're going to go. And then you'll go in power. You're actually going to carry the name of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to affect this world for the most eternal purpose that could possibly matter in all of eternity, you are given not only the responsibility, but the privilege and the power of carrying the name of Jesus into the nations. So go and wait for the promise from the Father. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So as they were waiting and praying and together, the Spirit descended on these people, and that is considered the birthday of the church. Now, in that moment, the church was born, the people of God filled by the Spirit of God to carry the name of Jesus into a hurting, broken world. The church was born. This is what we do. This is, let me change that, who we are. I hope you understand why we are here as the people of God. Our friend Alan Scott wrote a book called Scattered Servants, and he shares this. He says, the dream of God over your life is not, not that you become a believer and help out the local church. The dream of God over your life is that you come alive in his presence and bring life to every environment, spilling contagious hope into hurting humanity. Guys, we have a job to do. And if you got a chance to be in the prayer room, you got to experience two different things when it came to asking, contending. Some people were drawn towards the wall of needs, the things that needed to be prayed over and to, to labor over those things in prayer. Others were drawn to the globe with people that were scattered into the nations carrying the name of Jesus. But one, one thing that we can see is that we are in the game. We are in the thick of it. We're not waiting to be put in. We are in the absolute middle of the mission of God. Where we stand as believers today is equipped and readied and growing. Equipped in that we have the word of God, we have the spirit of God, we have the people of God. We are equipped. doesn't mean we're not being equipped, but you have. You have the spirit of God today. We are equipped as the people of God. And we've been commissioned with this purpose, this mission of God. And I've said this so many times and I will continue to say it. It's why we're still here. 
for you to carry life, as Alan put it, the name of Jesus into a hurting humanity is why you're still here. You bear witness. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will bear witness to the name of Jesus. This is what we're here to do. We devote ourselves to prayer because we need the presence of God. We need his voice in our lives. We need his spirit to fill us, to strengthen us. We need his shepherding to lead us beside still waters in the midst of a storming world. We need God's presence. And so we devote ourselves to prayer. But one thing that we will find, and I guarantee this, is as we grow as a praying church, the sentness will increase exponentially. Because one of those things that we start to pray is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I am standing here asking for you to increase your presence on the earth. And one of the messages right back to us is, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's take this presence, this holy presence of God, and let's go into every environment and bring life. One of the challenges of the birth of the church is to understand that that is not some distant concept, some foreign reality, or something that you show up at and maybe attend from time to time. But it is the new life that you were bought into when you gave your life to Jesus. When Isaiah, in chapter 6, was taken up into the throne room of God, there's that great moment. He's in the throne room of God. And uh, actually, this was a, a scene that, um, while I was in the prayer room, I felt like the Lord took me to Isaiah 6, and I read through it, and he's taken up in this vision. And he's in the throne room of God, and there are angels, and they're crying out, holy, 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 and they're covering their eyes and covering their feet. It's like the holiest moment. And do you remember, if you've read the scripture, you know Isaiah cries out, woe is me. Like his reaction to being in the presence of a holy God is woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I come from a people of unclean lips. One of the things that happens when we stand in the presence of God is we recognize just how holy God is and Isaiah was in the midst of that in that moment. Now I love this. Just from a theological standpoint, God doesn't speak to Isaiah and say, oh, you're fine. I brought you here. Don't worry about it. An angel flies over to the altar and grabs a coal with tongs. I love that it was hot enough that even the angel had to use tongs. And he picks this thing up and he brings it over to Isaiah and he touches his lips with the coal. And he says, your sins are atoned for. And at that moment, God speaks to him. That's when God speaks to him. Now, I just point out Isaiah, and I'll point out John, and then I'll come back to Isaiah. So John goes up into the presence of God. He's in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. He's taken up into the presence of God, and he sees Jesus, and he's describing Jesus in all his glory, and it's this beautiful scene, and he says, I fell down on my face as though dead. All right? So Isaiah is, woe is me. From a man of unclean lips, I come from a people of unclean lips. John is... I don't belong in the presence of a holy God. 
Now, just this is the theological point. In Isaiah, the angel grabs the coal and touches the lips. In Revelation, Jesus puts his hand on John's shoulder and stands him up. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I hold the keys to death and Hades. Stand and write what you see. He's already atoned for. He belongs in the presence of God. There's no coal to atone for his sins because Jesus already atoned for those sins. John, get up. You belong here. You belong in the presence of a holy God. Back to Isaiah. After being atoned for, God asks the question, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. And that picture is a picture of our life, our call as the people of God. We've been brought into the holiness of God by the Holy Spirit. And there is a commission and a command on our lives to go. And there's an invitation for us from God to say, who will go? Who will I send? And part of our yielding is responding to God by saying, here I am, send me. Send me to work tomorrow. Send me home to my family. Send me to Thailand in October. Or send me permanently to Zimbabwe. Here I am. Send me. We raise our hands up and we open ourselves to what God wants to do. Understanding that there is a mission and we are a part of it. We open our hands up and say, where will you have for me to go? Amen. It's a terrifying prayer because it's one that yields control to God. It offers our life up to him. You might think, well, I've got plans. I don't want God to divert them. I've got ideas of what I want my life to look like, and sometimes God gets in the way of those things. If I could encourage you with one thing, it's that as the people of God, we want nothing more than what God has for us. We want to fulfill his purpose for us in this world. And so opening our hands up and saying, here I am, send me, that is at the core of what it means to say yes to following Jesus. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus invited us into a story. Pentecost Sunday today is a day to remind us of that invitation. To say you have the Holy Spirit. Let's go. So we're going to close out our time with a yield moment. I'm going to ask Jeff and the team to come back up. We're going to, we're going to worship, but uh, if I could ask you to start by standing up. Um, we're going to go to this final portion of the pray discussion. Now we're going to walk through a couple of things together. Um, just going to encourage you, if, that's, if this is not your heart, you can kindly just stand, and that's no problem. This is an invitation for those that would like to yield today uh, to what God has for us. So if you would be willing, start by opening up your hands. When we yield, uh, the starting point is confession. And I won't ask you to do this out loud, just in the quiet of your mind. Be still before the Lord. One of the things that we ask God is if he would look 
at us, examine us, and see if there's any offensive way in us? What is the sin that would be in the way of us walking in obedience to Jesus? What are the things that we're doing that are keeping us um, away from following Jesus? We confess those to the Lord and we give them to him. So you can do that now, just in the quiet of your own mind. next thing is we're going to just say in a brief moment a corporate prayer together. Um, this is a prayer that's been prayed for 2,000 years. It's a very simple line. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to pray together. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in doing that, with our hands open, we're not only asking God to do something powerful in the world, but we are submitting our will to him. We're offering ourselves to be a part of his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you would uh, say this with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now with your hands open, I want you to take just a minute to offer the context of your life up to God. And what I mean by that is your work, your relationships, your school, your home, your money, the things that are your life. Just take a brief moment in prayer to offer those things up as an offering, yielding them to him. Rather than closing with amen, I'll encourage you to close your time of prayer, your time of yielding with the simple phrase, here I am, send me, whenever you're ready, if you're ready. Lord, we come to you today on this Pentecost Sunday. What a beautiful day to celebrate uh, our church's birthday. Lord, being the people of God, filled by the Spirit of God, out on the mission of God. We are your church. You are our pastor, our good shepherd. We're here to follow you, to walk in obedience to you. Lord, we go where you tell us to go. As you said, you did nothing apart from what the Father has told you. We want to follow you, Jesus. By your spirit, would you send us? Tell us who to talk to. Lead us into prayer. Show us how we can draw people into your kingdom. Lord, would you lead us? 
Lord, we want to see our community radically transformed by the power of the gospel, and we want to be a part of that going out. We're here to be sent. So, Lord, we open our hands up to you when we yield ourselves in prayer. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.